It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. Rothman and Ice presented by your local Pella Window and Door Showroom on Gemini Parkway. It's the fan, Ohio sports destination. Big inhale, big exhale. Ice, ice, baby. How we doing? Man, you know, I'm doing all right. I am doing oh, all right. sip of something there, No, no, no. That, that was the... Uh, Spoon, spoonful of something. That, that was the the, uh, the last swallow mm. there of the almonds. I had a couple almonds mm. there before, you know, the update last went down. Last swallow of the almonds. And I, uh, <laughs> that's what you got there. But no, it's been, uh, it's been an up and down morning, man. Had a little issue with the Comrex over there. Couldn't get this turned on for the longest. And there's just a lot going mm. on. But, you know, zooming out, there are so many eyeballs on the state of Ohio right now for football reasons that we'll get to today. Just a lot happening, man, but all is well. Can't complain too much. Yeah, it's a crazy time of of celebration, yet maybe it's the celebration that created some issues. I don't know. You got guys now I'm reading about the Browns, like, uh, you know, racing in the streets and all that stuff. Did you see that story? I did about see Higgins? that. I, I did see that. I listen. I know these guys are excited. They're in the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. But Jedrick Wills and Rashad Higgins were cited for street racing yesterday morning. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, fly a little under the radar, fellas. <laughs> Close the perimeter. Lock your shield. Stay as one. Yeah. I understand they're excited. But according to, I don't know whether they're on their way to the facility. The facility was closed, right? So maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe they had a snow day, school was closed, and it was like, let's go racing. According to the report by Westlake Police, the two were pulled over just before 9.30 a.m., and each were written $124 tickets. Police also conducted a probable cause search in one of the vehicles for a suspected Mary Juana joint. According to the report, police did not specify which vehicle had the suspected joint, and neither Higgins nor Wills was cited for it. We'll uh, just, uh, you know, put that in as uh, destroyed property. Police did not specify how fast either was driving and all that, or who won the race. I just added that. Uh, More importantly. <laughs> yes. Can I get a follow-up at the presser? Uh, who won the race? Oh, my goodness. Was this official, officially sanctioned? Was there a Christmas tree of lights? Did we have a special person in the middle dropping the flag? <laughs> Cleveland players were off on Tuesday, so that makes sense. And Higgins has certainly been a big-time dude for Baker lately. On Tuesday night, Higgins posted this on his Twitter that his foot slipped in regard to the drag racing citation before he then deleted the tweet. Now, do you think he said his foot slipped as a response to that he lost the race and he wanted an excuse for losing or that his foot slipped? AR lost it there for a second. You got me? Yeah, I got you. You're breaking up a little bit. The yeah, almonds are in the in. You, you the, broke up a little bit there when you were asking your question. I don't. I see. I don't know who's breaking up on your end or my end. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I got the first part keep, about yeah. the foot slipping off, and then you really well, you, just went off into you space think, there. Well, do you think his foot slipped 
as a response to him losing the race, and that's why he wanted it out there known that, hey, my foot slipped. <laughs> I, that's why I didn't win. <laughs> or, or that his foot slipped, and that's how... He got launched into a drag race that he wanted no part of. Who knows? I'm going to go with the former. I'm, I'm going to go with the former there. And it was just he like, did, go ahead. He did add that he was, quote, trying to get away from COVID okay. before deleting that tweet as well. Oh, my goodness. Which, by the way, seemed to be the theme yeah. yesterday going on with deleted tweets. But I- I'm glad that, you know, we're kind of having some fun with yeah. this. Glad that they're okay. But that that obviously yeah. wouldn't have been good if this goes the other way. We're talking about guys having to miss the game or whatever. Because, like you mentioned, we know how important <sighs> Higgins has been to the chemistry between he and Baker. And even the young rookie, man, we know how vital he is to protecting the blind side of one Baker Mayfield. So, we're look, man, you just don't want these things popping up. you got so much on the line. So Sunday night football, everything in front of you, <laughs> and your team's dealing with an issue right now. Your head coach won't be there. We talked about that yesterday, but it, we did get some good news not too long ago mm-hmm. from Shefty that there were no new uh, right. tests that popped up in a bad way today for Cleveland. So, no, man, these guys are out there in the street getting their fast and furious on Vin Diesel style, mm-hmm. and look, they got to find a way to have some team chemistry. You're not letting us in the building together, so we still got to find a way to bond. Yeah. Here's their strategy. We're, gonna, we're going to make Pittsburgh – be so overconfident that we there is no way we could win this game. <laughs> That'll be their biggest strength is yeah. trying to weaken Pittsburgh's confidence or uh, over uh, send them into overconfidentville. Um, we know they were slammed with the COVID issues with Stefanski and Hodge and Batonio all testing yeah, positive yeah. for the virus knocks them out of the game. And like you said, they're going in a better direction right now. Hopefully, they'll continue to get there. I'm not saying this is the biggest deal in the world. It's not. They probably no. both got there having a little fun, and then guess what? Didn't see old uh, Officer Friendly hanging out, yeah. uh, whatever street they were uh, they were doing that in Westlake, and that's it. And if I had caught. to guess, they are, yeah. I'm sure the cars that they were driving are, are very uh, eye-catching, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think uh, I have a little inside source on this that tells me Higgins likes his uh, – his souped-up cars. I don't know if that's uh, okay. Let me. I'm do a little search on that. Maybe mm-hmm. we can find out if he's got a nice garage of <laughs> of of smooth rides. Anyway, yep. they were. Uh, they've got a. Uh, yeah, Will sighted, and then the second driver along with uh, Rashad Higgins. So I don't know. Maybe there's a. Maybe there's a third unknown driver. Maybe they just went three wide. And decided to see how they could handle <laughs> this. Anyway. <laughs> All right, makes us laugh. The other yeah. thing that has made us laugh, and this has been kind of an interesting deal, is that Alabama has decided, or a couple people have decided, that the rumored COVID issues at Ohio State are a fabrication and that they wanted it out in the atmosphere to try to get the game postponed to get Justin Fields more time to heal. And it came from... One and only Kristen Saban, daughter of head coach Nikki. Now, she went into a great apology on Tuesday night after publishing a tweet earlier in the day that said Ohio State might use the coronavirus as an excuse to postpone the national championship game. Uh, This is the world we live in. I have no idea how old his daughter is, but I imagine she grew up living her life on the Internet, and this is just second nature to her. As far as I have a thought, I'm going to put it out there. Let me hit send. Let me vent. Let me rally my followers. 
and I don't care about any backlash. Why would I think of that? And let me just put it out there because you know all the Crimson Roll Tide followers. We're coming off the the situation with uh, now you have Devontae Smith winning the Heisman, and so more in the in the confidence hopper for Alabama. And then I just saw, and we'll we'll read her stuff in a moment. I just saw that their senior lineman, who may have the greatest name in the uh, national championship game, Alex Leatherwood, mm. uh, the left tackle, I believe, the senior, yep. uh, dropped something today on Twitter. These guys just can't help themselves, and I know they're in the mood to play the game, and so is everybody. It sounds like, and nothing Ohio State has put out there publicly has made anyone think like they're pushing for a postponement. Sure. But I see that uh, it looks like Alex Leatherwood on a Zoom call said that his competitive desire is way through the roof, and we'll see if they want to play football. Wow. Mm. Okay. Does Here he mean go. because of the virus or that he's anticipating them not to be uh, intensified on the game when they get in the game? I'm going to assume that was the former and that he is buying into the Ohio State hitting the delay button. I'm not here to tell you that it wouldn't benefit Ohio State if the game was. Of course it would. Mm-hmm. I want to get Fields as feeling as good as ever. It'll also benefit Jalen Waddell. There you go. How close is he to coming back? Could he use another week? Of course he could. If Ohio State does have some virus issues in their locker room or a couple guys in the D-line, was the rumor was yesterday, but nothing confirmed on that. It went so far to name a couple guys in the rumors and then push it all the way to maybe the entire unit. Well, then, of course. And if that's the case, then the game would be pushed. I'm here to... When does it become, and I know there are protocols that you and I will get into next, and maybe it is best for next, we'll get into how do you get a game pushed along? When does this, the playoff committee step in and say, we can't have a nothing title? Like, what tips it over? The t- what tips it over? Starting quarterback, head coach, like what does tip it over for college in this game? Who knows? We'll talk about that next, and we'll hit you the protocols. By the way, the CBJ have some breaking news, and maybe this will smooth a little waters over the PLD situation, that they've signed Oliver Bjorkstrand, a.k.a. the maestro, to a five-year contract extension worth 27 mil. And you know he's coming off his best season, 20-plus goals, 36 points in 49 games. He was certainly their one of their best offensive threats before he got injured um, for the Boston series. And this, to me, Maddie, looks like it's going to turn out, if he keeps progressing the right direction, into a bargain contract down the road. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe to it, man. And you mentioned what he did a year ago. And, you know, the most important category, I'm sure, for a lot of Blue Jacket fans is putting the puck in the net. And I thought he did a pretty good job of doing that. And I think he has the ability to get even better and build upon the season that he had. So any of these young pieces that we've talked about going back to last season that have contributed at a high level, I'm all in with making that the long-term plan and building around those guys. But I think a lot of this is going to be on Bjorky and guys like 
like Cam to really level up mm-hmm. and even try to go to the next level of their game and see if they can go to another tier and really help out the Blue Jackets in that category. Because we know yeah. for the most part, year in and year out, how this team is going to be built defensively. They're going to be rock solid. They've got two goalies that they're confident in. We know about Zach and we know about Seth. So you're always going to feel good about the effort on that end of the ice. We just got into so many situations last season, even the season before that, whether it was the power play or losing leads and not being able to answer back because of lack of offensive firepower. Excited to see what that looks like this year. And I know we get to do our first round of Hockey and Hounds with Torch today, which is going to be really fun. But having this guy is an absolute must, I think, moving forward because he is going to be, I think, a key piece of what they do. Yes, and he's going to be a part of a very talented top line and how it produces, we'll see. And to, to drive the offense, absolutely. I mean, that's what they need. I mean, we know their biggest strength. Their biggest strength is their cohesiveness, and we know what kind of team they can be defensively. And they know the kind of team they are, which is most important to have that self-awareness. But A, what will it, you know, what will it take the most time to figure out in this season, a shortened season, and you're exactly right. Will they be able to keep up offensively? And that's always been the issue. And now they have, hopefully they can. And the other thing about P- PLD is I think he's going to work his butt off because if his motive really is to not be here long term, then certainly he would want the Jackets to be able to trade him. And the Jackets will only want to trade him if they can get a lot back for him. Mm-hmm. And the better he plays, the better for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make that assumption he's going to play his butt off. Yeah. to try to uh, sweeten the deal-making. We have no idea. Unlike Bobrovsky, in, in knowing that he wanted an ocean and knowing that Panarin wanted the big, big lights, big city, we don't know what exactly PLD is looking for. We don't yet. As far as city, team, fit, we have no clue. And so that's why the question marks hanging over him will always be there, but... Go to work. It's go to work time. And I'm I'm at least glad he's there because without him, then it really puts uh it would make it a nightmare feel going into this season. So we'll talk yeah. more with Torts about that at two thirty when we do hockey and hounds for the first time with this season starting a week from tomorrow. We'll come back, we'll give you the protocols and whether the national title game could actually be delayed if Ohio State hits that threshold. What is it? Talk about it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. You'd think that during a three-hour radio show, Man and Bone would say something intelligent. You'd be wrong. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. One of them survives on almonds and broccoli. The other crushes frozen pizza in his unwashed sweats. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. One of them is choking down some almonds, and one of them cracked a tooth eating an almond. And had to see three different dentists in one day. Mm. You remember that story? Oh, I remember. I might have to retell that. Uh, Guys, I want you to prioritize your health. Now it's more important than ever. Build that immune system. I'm doing it. Address any chronic health issues you may have. It's a great start. 2021, let's get after it. And I recommend Low T Center. They will exclusively specialize in men's wellness. They'll follow strict medical guidelines. And they will help you... Find out what's going on and where you can put the most attention. You're going to get all your levels checked at Low T Center, not just your testosterone. 
You know how much I've talked about cholesterol and keeping that under control. It starts with their annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment. So guess what? On your way out, you're going to know all the numbers important to your health. Once you get those numbers, then you can attack it like a coach. Strengthen your biggest weakness. So if you've been feeling tired, grumpy, you've noticed some weight gain, loss of muscle mass, could all be signs of low T. It may not be. Maybe low thyroid. Could be sleep apnea. They'll help you find out. They'll determine the cause and help you at Low T Center. So get to Low T Center right now. It's accepted by most health insurance. So I want you to book your annual wellness exam and then figure out what to do with it. You need the information. That's where the power is. Go to LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. And if you need it, they've got self-injected home treatments, self-pay or covered by most health insurance, and it will be great for you for 2021. Rise up. I wanted to mention, uh, well, we'll go back to Saban's daughter eventually. She deleted her page, apparently deleted the tweet. Big apology, accusing Ohio State of, of trying to fabricate this. And I, I can't even imagine Saban probably brought the world down on her like why are you lighting a fire under them like if i'm saving if i gotta play him in a month i'll play him in a month don't do the dabbo don't pull a dabbo here don't disrespect them publicly you you know you want to expect it from the fans he didn't care about the fans i don't need one of my players or my daughter lighting a fuse on this team they're already jacked up they already think they can beat us look what they did to clemson we're getting them at the worst time when they're the most confident. Why are you making this personal? Yeah. I'm doing Nick to his daughter right now. Don't make it personal and stop creating stuff. We're, you know, I can't understand, but it, it's like I go back to it's they, this is the world. Do you know how old Nick Saban's daughter is? Somewhere in her 20s, I believe. Right. So I'm not wrong into thinking she grew up her entire life on. The internet. Sure. It's second nature. Like, this is it. Oh, you say something wrong? Delete your page. Oh, you say something wrong? Change your screen name. It's never deleted, though. It's never deleted. No, no. Screen the screen, shot, screen the screenshots get there. They'll get you and, forever. And her apology, you know, whatever it is, it is. I mean, I read her apology, and, you know, she, she initially said, I call BS on the COVID cases. They're just worried about their quarterback and want him to have more time to heal. Well, I guarantee one thing's factual. They do want their quarterback, and they do want him to heal. Sure. But they're not making up COVID numbers. Like, you know how bad... Because here's the bigger problem. You have... They may have to play without a couple dudes that are key. They may have to, because they may not hit the threshold. But what's going on, Maddie? Did you see the, the threshold of this? I did, and I and I had a question, like or not a question, because it's pretty black and white mm-hmm. what the requirement is. But I think the one part of it that jumped out to me that was a little head scratching is the requirement of you got to have seven offensive mm-hmm. linemen, but only four defensive, defensive linemen. Line. Yeah. And the, and I'm I'm not bringing that up specifically just because of the rumors that are out there. But I just I, I don't understand the numbers there because I think both sides of the ball we all know how physical that is in the trenches, and we just saw in the Sugar Bowl where. I believe it was either Haskell Garrett or Tommy Tokia. One of those guys had to leave the field for a play or two because they, they were nicked up. So that, that part of me, that part of mm-hmm. that was very confusing because to roll into a game with only four defensive linemen and especially with the way that Larry Johnson has liked to go about things with rotating guys in and out, I think mm-hmm. that should be even there with seven offensive linemen and seven defensive yeah. linemen. I don't know where the cutoff is. It says you got to have one quarterback. Are you kidding me? 
I mean, we can't <laughs> right. all have you can't all have a depth chart that has Cardale Jones on it. You can't. Right. Now I know that that sends the message, but if you want to have, here's the other thing. I know Ohio State fans want to win the title. Everybody does. If Mac Jones got COVID, I guess so be it. If if Justin Fields got COVID, so be it. The spread's going to jump from seven and a half to twenty one and a half. Like, I mean, when you think about it, what the drop off may be, I have no idea. Uh, we've seen some running ability. We've seen some stuff from Ohio State, but it's over. If you lose, when when would the committee step in yeah. and say, "Got to delay it"? Got to got to delay it. And I guess the only thing I would say is that it would have to be a quarterback. Although, according to the CFP Management Committee. They establish a threshold of having one quarterback available. <laughs> like, I guess you can opt out if you have fewer than 53 players available. Yeah. If you have fewer than 53 or you have no quarterback or you have less than four defensive linemen. So if that happens, then they'll delay the game, which is what they should do. You cannot. I just think, what was this season even for? Like, is Alabama really. I should. I shouldn't answer this question because I don't know the. Does Alabama really want to win a title if they don't have to face Justin Fields? Of course. Do they, they really want to have a gifted title? They don't. Care like about I mean, that. I mean, handed to you on a right. platter. I, no, I understand, but I, I would have to guess that they wouldn't care. Their fan base. It's another national championship, and it's a hard thing to answer because. You know, part of me has always been, even with the NFL and college football, you kind of just got to roll with the punches that come along mm-hmm. with this stupid pandemic that we've all been dealing with for way too long now. And look, if you don't have a Mac Jones or you have, you don't have a Justin Fields, but all the other horses are ready to go, like, I think there would be a lot of noise, I think, based off of canceling a game if one of those guys goes down. But I think it can work both ways. So that's why I don't really know if I have a concrete answer on this. But also, AR, if you move the game to the 18th, mm-hmm. that doesn't eliminate the risk. It's mm-hmm. always going to be there. You're just adding more time. And we, we've seen this now to where, okay, let's say if you know things get healthy into next mm-hmm. Wednesday or we want to pick a day next week, whatever, but how are things going to look the days after that leading up to the 18th? And I believe, AR, if these guys have tested positive within this week, you still can't even play on the 18th. Ohio State guys can't because of the Big Ten's number that they have out yeah. there for the amount of time that you have to sit out. So right. pushing it back really doesn't even get Ohio State out of the woods the way they probably Probably want to it, it would allow obviously Justin Fields to get healthy and maybe mm-hmm. some other guys that missed the Sugar Bowl to play in that game, but that doesn't solve everything. Yeah. And the 18th, I think, works more for Alabama because of Jalen Waddle. Like that to me, he already looks good. Apparent according to practice, well, like well, there, there you, you go. Think he looks good. Right, so if you get the 18th rolling out for this game, that only is going to give his body more time, which I think adds more favor towards Alabama's side of things. So very complicated here, man, I think this whole situation is. I think you bring up a really good point on how, how many times you keep pushing it. As long as a team meets this threshold, then they're probably going to have to go. Yeah. Because you're right. And that's why I said right after the uh, championship games, I'm surprised they didn't just say, we're going down. Mm-hmm. We're bubbling it. Everybody, we're going. Everybody that's negative goes into the bubble, and all four teams go into the bubble, and the losers leave, and you could have done this all in one location, and you could have had at least protected the final four. Yeah. That might have been the way to go, because I think what you've had here is 
you know, and I don't, I don't, I have no idea. You know, players hug their family, hug their girlfriends, whatever. I mean, yeah, that could happen that way. That was a question for me, like, because that was something yeah. I remember I brought it up early in the season with parents in the stands, and mm-hmm. I, like, because I'm look, I'm all for it. Like, you want to be around your family, but it was a question, like, well, what's going on after the game? And I know that's, I thought about that too, where these guys are hugging their families and like on the field and on the stands. Like, I don't know if that's what you want. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that led to this. It's just always been something that it's been a head scratcher to me because I don't know if the parents are being tested they might be i just don't know all right we got to get to shefty next lot on the table we'll get his update on the browns we'll try to figure out if this game is going forward no matter what and the rest that's going on in the league rothman and ice on the fan always imitated never duplicated your heritage sports talker and flagship home for ohio state athletics the fan ohio sports destination NFL Playbook with ESPN's Adam Schefter. All right, he's the senior NFL insider for ESPN. Our friend Adam Schefter is on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Shefty, great to have you. What's going on there, Anthony? How you doing, well, my friend? Well, we're doing okay. Thanks for jumping on. You know, the celebrating the Browns' first playoff appearance in 18 years here in Ohio. We yep. had Ohio State a national title game, yet the cloud of COVID is still over everything. Uh, give me the latest. I saw your tweet about at least no negative, no further yep. positive tests today. Is that correct? And are they heading yeah. in in a in the right direction, Shefty? Well, a day without a positive test <laughs> is a step in the right direction, right? Yeah. So as long as they don't have more positives, the game gets played on time. The issue becomes: what if there are more positives? And I don't know that anybody has the answer to that because we have not been in. A situation like this one, we just know that, I mean, it's really, it's remarkable when you think about it. And and let me just say, first and foremost, I hope everybody's okay. That goes above anything. You hope Kevin Stefanski and the tight ends coach and um, everybody else involved here is okay. Uh, getting past that, just the amazing part about it, like you mentioned this team that has not been in the playoffs since 2002, 18 years, 19 years, whatever it may be. And here they are on the cusp of their first playoff appearance. You're there, I'm not, but I would imagine that the area, Cleveland especially, is, is buzzing with excitement about this, right? Like people are fired up. They're playing their dreaded rival, and boom, uh, they go and lose their head coach and their longest tenure player in Joel Petonio. Like that is, yeah. that's crazy to think about. Yeah, man. It's been a lot going on. It's unfortunate for the Brownies, for sure, Shefty. wanted to ask you about two specific players involved in this game and their availability. Yeah. Denzel Ward for the Brownies and yep. Joe Hayden. Are those guys in the clear? You know, it's funny. I got a text today, that, and I didn't know who they were talking about, that, that a Cleveland Brown defensive back, they re-ran his test, and it was negative. Now, um, all I know is that there were no, no positive tests today. So... Um, that's that's a good sign for every, all the guys, um, but I don't have specific answers as to those guys and how it plays out. I don't know the timing when they first tested positive, and and we'll see how that one plays out. But I mean, hopefully for their sake, for the team's sake, um, they can make their way back for this game. That would be that would be good. Yeah, Shefty, and, and Maddie and I said on the show yesterday, and I, I said to him, I mean, if this was Tomlin and Pouncey, Brown fans would be saying, hey, play ball, man, play ball. Correct. We, we, oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, so I, I would ask you this from the Browns' standpoint. Is there ever a chance this game could get moved at all? Not, I mean, no, that, not, not, yeah. not in hell, huh? Hmm. 
No, I didn't say that. Okay. I was going to say not not as the current situation stands and exists. It would get moved if there were more positive tests within the Browns organization and the league and the PA, mm-hmm. Players Association, mm-hmm. felt like they did not have a handle on the spread of the virus. Yes, then okay. the game could be postponed. But, but, but the league and the Players Association, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, doesn't care whether a team loses all of its quarterbacks, all of its receivers, as Cleveland saw, all of its running backs, as New Orleans found out, all of its coaches, as the Lions found. They don't care. What they care about is that, I mean, they care, but that's not not going to shift the game. What they care about is that the virus is controlled, contained, that it is isolated, that it is, let me rephrase it, that it is identified, isolated, and contained. And if, all of those things happen. Games are played no matter what players are out. All right, well, yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense. And I, I've tried to explain that's what happened with the Ravens. They just kept getting new positives. And I, I don't know if that's it was correct. considered, right, not preferential or branding treatment here. So mm-hmm. they're going to play ball. Now, Stefanski can't have – is this similar to college? Like he can't have any – Nothing on game game night. What when does he have to to cut his communication with his team? Uh, I don't know when he has to cut the communication, mm-hmm. but he's not allowed to be a part of the game, which which I find to be a little bit ridiculous. You know, we do so much virtually this year. Um, it's a new world. W- what's the big deal if he's on a headset talking to somebody from his house? Right? Like, why would it matter? He's the head coach. If, if that's what it takes, and he's isolated, who cares? Right? You do Zoom meetings. You're in your house. Who cares? Yeah. I don't. I don't understand that. I, I. I. I'd like to ask around about that and get an explanation I mean, is, as to it, why that is. I mean, but does it, it have something to do with electronic advantage, where if he wanted to challenge a play or he could see replays in real time? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, that, 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 that's 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 a thought. I, I don't have an answer for you, other than I know it's just not allowed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I. I don't know why that is, but I. I and I, I don't. I'd like to hear the explanation as to why before I say. I don't agree with it, but on the surface, I don't agree with it. Like, again, if he's in his house and he's not around anybody, he's not exposed to anybody, he's not – what does it matter? But no. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm curious about that now. I'm going to ask around. No, that's interesting. That's an interesting angle. I didn't think of that, Shifty. I'm kind of with you on that, man. I, I don't really see the issue in that at all. You kind of touched on for a quick second New Orleans, and we know obviously how important their offensive playmakers are in Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. Are the Saints feeling confident that those guys are going to be ready to roll? Um. Mm, Thomas is back at practice today, and I was told when he went on IR initially he'd be back for the playoffs. So he'll be back. Um, I don't need that about that. Kamara, I think, will be back. Um, but the thing that, that, it, that is a little disconcerting, problematic, worrisome, is the fact that, you know, usually guys have missed two games with COVID. You know, it's a serious deal. can be a serious deal. Not serious to everybody. Very serious with other people, right? Like, it, everybody, we, we've seen this. Um. And so, I don't know, you know, initially he wasn't feeling symptoms. I don't know if his condition worsened. I don't know what he battled or didn't battle. Um, I believe he's eligible to play. They're hopeful he's going to play. Uh, but is he going to be able to step onto a field without 10 days of practice and just be Alvin Kamara? Uh, maybe, but that's hard to imagine, right? Like, I don't know if he's 70% of Alvin Kamara, 80%, 90%. But I can't believe Alvin Kamara is operating at full strength the way he would have been had he been practicing for 10 straight days leading to the game. you agree with that? I do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are you hearing about Urban Meyer now as far as being a target from Jacksonville? Is he just one of their candidates? I mean, how, how serious could they be in him? And then what about this uh, report that maybe the Chargers are going to ask to speak with him? Well, I haven't heard that about the Chargers. Okay. Uh, well, let me, but let me say this. Yeah, um, I initially had been told that there were at least a couple of teams that had been in touch with him. So one was Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I'm going to assume that the other may have been uh, the Chargers or the Lions. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but, but he's gotten calls. So uh, it's possible. I think he's definitely thinking about it. I think he's tempted by it. And uh, we'll see what he decides to do. Oh, I just got a text here. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got a little information here. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to tweet it out right now. All right. Ready? I love yeah. this game. Love this game. Yes. Yeah, well, this is, you know. Okay, there we go. So it's I just posted that. Let's All see right. what we got here. We've got to hit reload now. we got to hit refresh. Oh, my. Tennessee trainer tested positive today for COVID per source from Adam Schefter. Titans mm-hmm. now are conducting contact tracing, but their building remains open as they prepare for Sunday's wild card game against the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. There's a live live tweets read right here on this show. Love that. Not mean tweets, just regular <laughs> NFL tweets. This is um, – all right, so there you go. So a trainer who has obviously very close with players, mm-hmm. testing positive is not a good start to their yeah. uh, to their Wednesday. Oh, no, and, and by the way, these are the two teams, the Titans and Ravens, that probably had as many COVID issues during the season as just about anybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Just been absolutely nuts. But Shefty well, – Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, is there ever – so now that we're in the playoffs, though, there's not a tipping point for the NFL to say, well, wait a minute, competitive disadvantage just went out the window. Like, are we still – like, can they treat the playoffs differently, or are they gonna, they're going to treat it exactly like the regular season? If, if yeah. they have it under control and yeah. you have enough players, you're going. Why, why, why would it be different? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's different based on just trying to have – you know, sell their product to the fans that it's the integrity is at the highest it can be. That's all. I, I agree with you. It's very tough. You move one game, you got to move others, and then you have disadvantages for short weeks, long weeks. Uh, I agree. It's it's very very difficult um, to delay based on team by team basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're just going to keep going forward. Look again, seventeen weeks, two hundred and fifty six games. Zero cancellations. Zero. And think of how much of society, sports, everything has been disrupted and canceled. The NFL, you know, we've, we've talked about it before. It just keeps going on. Just keeps going on. Not going to stop. No. No. Right? Last one for, yeah. No, well, unless you get to the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes gets the virus. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I was Maybe they pushed that back a week. Right. I, I, they, they have not shown to date that they would do that on account of a player. Competitive advantage does not factor into their decisions to postpone, delay, yeah. cancel, do whatever to a game. Well, try to sell the Super Bowl to a football-loving world, and you take an MVP out of the game and say, ah, we're playing it anyway. Super Sunday, here we go. Grab your nachos and your wings and, and tune in. I, that would be a very difficult sell for the NFL for their ultimate game. 
Um, you know what I would say to that? I would say, okay, that's fair, Anthony. Um, take all the quarterbacks off a team during a game of the season. That would be a difficult sell for fans to watch. Did it happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take all the running backs out. Did it? Ha- yeah. Take all the wide receivers out. Did it? Ha- mm-hmm. Yeah. And and again, the NFL is in the business of making sure that it's trying to keep players, coaches, employees of organizations safe and having its business go on. Yeah. Oh, your MVP can't play? Well, that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Hope he's okay. All right. All right, Shefty. Well done, man. Appreciate you jumping on. Enjoy the playoffs, the yeah, beginning of them. Guys. Yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Happy New Year. We'll be in touch next week. And enjoy the wild card round. Yeah, new segment. You tweet and I read it. That's perfect. Thanks, Done. Shesty. All right. How about that? That's I, that's the new segment. He tweets. I read them. <laughs> you react. <laughs> the oh, read man. and react segment with Adam right. Schefter. Maddie, we got to uh, we'll extend that a little bit in our next segment, and then give you the Heisman voting and how the results came down. Everybody knows who won, but how close was it? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Rise and shine, sleepyhead. We're live and local in the morning. Morning juice with Beamer, Carpenter, and Schlegs. Weekdays starting at 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Old school and new school. Joining forces to give you an education. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Maddie, did you watch the Heisman show last night? Dipped in for a little bit. Dipped in. You know, it's, al- it's always yeah. weird because it's like, we know they're not handing it out right away. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the delay and they run through all the cool little montages of each guy. But I think I was pretty confident who was going to win it this year. And I think maybe that's why my interest level wasn't as high. So I wasn't surprised by the end result because I think that was the guy that was going to win it anyway, you know? Yeah, Alabama wide receiver Devontae Smith uh, won it. 105 catches. 1641 in the yards category. He's the first guy to, first receiver to win it since Desmond did back in the early 90s. So, you know, great. The year, yeah. the year I was born. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Uh, I was in, where was I? I was in Rockford, Illinois, the Rockford Files, uh, covering, covering great high school football, CBA basketball, mm. the Rockford Lightning, the indoor, the Illinois indoor soccer. With the uh, Rockford Thunder, I believe. What a fast, great game that is. Indoor yeah. soccer. And then <laughs> yeah. I was covering what else? Oh, single A baseball that we Ooh, had. That? Where it went I don't think from. I've heard any stories about that. Well, yeah. I'd go up to Beloit, the Beloit Brewers. Yeah, that's. AR. Maddie, I think we're having some connection issues with AR with AR. I will uh, work on that if you want to take the lead here. Okay, yeah, we'll step in here. But no, just mentioning, you know, we're kind of rolling with the Heisman stuff there, Bodie. And last night, you heard, you know, AR throw out the numbers that Devontae Smith brought to the table. The dude's an absolute stud, and it's going to be the ultimate challenge, you know, for this Buckeye football team and line up and try to slow this guy down. 
Because we know how, you know, he gets down the field over the top, take the top off the defense. It'll be interesting to see how they line that up because of maybe the addition of a Jalen Waddle that's out there with him, maybe getting back in gear. But Mechie's a guy you got to keep your eye on as well. So Mac Jones, that whole combination, man, it's been a well-oiled machine. But if you're a Buckeye fan, you're looking at this and saying, look, man, we got the ability to get up and down the field with anyone. We also have the ability to slow the game down with our rushing attack if we need to do that. So I think, you know, you get into these games, right, and we talked yesterday about the over-under, and there's a ton of points there, and I'm with Vegas on that. I think when you have these quarterbacks and these high-flying offenses with these playmakers, it's hard to slow them down regardless of how good your defense is. But I think when you zoom in on this, you put one of these teams is going to have to play a little bit of keep-away, man, because you don't want your defense to continue to go out there and continue to go out there, and they're going to get tired eventually. And having to deal with speed like this on the outside coming from Devontae Smith can absolutely stretch you, stress you out and we saw his ability in their last game against Notre Dame to do different things and give you different looks and it's not just over the top cutting across the middle and, and doing everything like that so I think we may have AR back here are you there man I'm here I don't know if you can hear me but I'm on I got you man if I'm not if you can't hear me let me know all right, yeah, I don't know. I'm supposed to leave, I'm connected on an Ethernet, so I don't know why I'm I would be disconnected. I'm not even I'm, yeah, like, I'm I don't hard know. I lined into the wall, dude. Like would, no no cell, both. nothing. I have no idea why I would get I feel like I have the safest connection of all, but all right, yeah, let me know if I if I blitz out again. But yeah, um I agree with you. I heard a lot of what you said, you know, this guy definitely deserved it. It was nice to see a guy like that win it. You know, his quarterback had great weapons. His quarterback had a great year. You know, the Heisman is a very interesting deal because it's very statistical, and it shouldn't go to the best player. It should go to the guy who had the best season, right? Mm-hmm. And no, so, absolutely. if if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to go to Trevor Lawrence. Like I hate that when people say. Well, it should go to the best player. No, no. It goes to the best player who had the best season. That's it. The guy who had the best season, that's it. That's what the award is. And I know it's very difficult, quarterback versus receiver. He got 447 first-place votes, more than double the second place, which was Trevor, right? Yeah. Yep. And Trevor came in so second. Trevor Lawrence yep. uh, finished second. And then Mack and Kyle Trask, four. So they had them all there. And I saw that what Justin Fields was was he five or six? I have to go back and look. And well, and that's that was right. And actually, I take that back. It looks like he was uh, seventh behind Najee Harris and Brees Hall. So, all right, we'll take a break here. We'll hit a Sports Center update. We'll try to reset our equipment here and make sure we're good to go the rest of the way. Rothman and Ice on the fan. On air, online, on the app. New methods of consumption. Same great radio taste. Take us with you everywhere. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Just a couple of guys whose love for fantasy sports may exceed their love for real sports. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Rothman and Ice, first hour in the books. A little turbulence at the end there with the connections, but I added another antenna onto the situation. Leveled up, huh? I went with the rabbit ears to see if that would help. So, what can I tell you? Uh, oh, this man. This is the way the world. We've been uh, pretty fortunate to be able to do the shows for the last 10 months or so, and we'll continue yeah. to try to do those the best we can. Um, yeah, I, I, just to kind of finish up on 
on the Heisman with him. Certainly, I was happy that a guy, a non-quarterback, got it. It it always seems like I mean the quarterback has such an inherent advantage in winning the Heisman every year mm-hmm. because of touching the ball every time and and seeing the distribution. Now, Devonte certainly got benefit when Waddle went out. I mean, he's not getting a hundred plus catches right in this kind of a season with Waddle there. And so, but he seemed like such a nice kid last night. He seemed really down to earth, really humble. Uh, the nickname, the Slim Reaper, is pretty awesome. Got to now, admit I got a it. question about that, AR, because oh, really? that to me, I thought, mm-hmm. was attached to Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Now, I know yeah. KD didn't really embrace it, but are, are we stealing nicknames out here in the streets now? That's what we're doing? Well, That's if he kicked nickname. it to the, if, he, if KD kicked it to the curb, I thought Durantula was the one. Yeah, which is just oh. garbage. Like, that is just oh. garbage. Why would KD do right. something like that? The internet, well, and the young kids. Uh, when did when did KD get the nickname the Slim Reaper? How many years ago? Oh, this was a few years into his NBA career, and he just would oh. never embrace it. He, he never well, wanted the it. Slim it's up, Reaper. It's back in the free agent pool. <laughs> okay, it's back fair in. Enough, fair enough. No, it's funny because I, I liked his speech, and part of his speech that I thought was really cool was him addressing kids that didn't think that you know they mm-hmm. were big enough or strong yes. enough because he was that guy. Like he is that guy, yeah. and he still doesn't have the biggest frame. You can look at Devonte Smith; he is slight in his frame. And one oh. of the touchdowns he scored against Notre Dame, he falls on his backside there, and he's dealing with a little back pain there. And you got to think, man, if this guy had a little meat on, a little bit more muscle, maybe that doesn't happen. But you, you loved hearing that. I thought that was a really good message, and even the part mm-hmm. that's out there about him doing push-ups when he walked past a mirror and things like that because he didn't think he was big enough to play at this level so he's grinded man he's had that big time catch a few a couple years ago in the national championship game that that really put him on the map there when that game uh, against georgia and away we go and he's there's been some really good receivers obviously coming through alabama in the last couple of seasons and he put in the work and he's grinded and he's reaping the rewards of it uh by being a heisman winner and i'm with you man i know this is ohio state's opponent right now but I do like that we got away from the quarterback, uh, just the automatic kind of quarterback feeling that we have when it comes to handing that to uh, handing the Heisman Trophy to a quarterback, and now we remix it a little bit with a guy who is definitely deserving. Yeah, only one guy can win it, and I'm happy that he got it because I think he had an electric season, and it was nice to see a non-quarterback win it, and nice to see to go to a kid that wasn't a ready-made kid. Like you said, 150 pounds dripping wet. They told him he couldn't play football, wasn't big enough. And then he gets into a, a different world now of college football and not the exactly, you know, the, the, the pounded every play kind of football. And so I was happy that a kid of smaller stature who wasn't ready made, who wasn't, you know, looked at as being a sure thing, got all the way to win the Heisman. You know, he, and, and you could tell how humble he was. You could tell how much he, you know, wasn't even sure whether he should pick up the trophy or not. His parents and all the people that backed him were on the Zoom conference, and he had to listen to them talk about him glowingly. And, and I, it's cool. It, it's cool to hear the smallest kid be the toughest kid, and I guess that's what his high school coach or, um, said about him. And that's, that's pretty cool, man. And I think it's a great example for a lot of people. If you're talented, you're going to go far. If you put in the work, you're going to go far. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee you're going to make it to the next level. But the fact that he had that he won the Heisman Trophy just running away from people and finding and then the other thing they say about Devontae Smith is how how smart he is in the football field, uh, being able to identify defenses and where he needs to go and spaces he needs to find and the synergy he has with his quarterback. And so Ohio State knows what they're up against. He's one of the most dangerous players on the field. But Ohio State feels like they've got and we we pointed it out. 
yesterday, the big three versus their big three. It's, it's a nice wash, almost, with the way Sermon's playing and the way Fields certainly played the other night. Yeah. And so I would not, and, and Harris is a beast, we know that, but Ohio State's got a newfound confidence. I do think that if the defensive line has to play shorthanded, that is a major concern. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a concern anyway as far as being able to stop Alabama's offense. Now try to do it if you have to without a couple of starting defensive linemen, if that's yeah. the case, which yeah. we don't know yet. But, but try to stop Harris and turn this into a one-dimensional game without those guys. It's going to be very difficult. Very difficult, and I think it absolutely is a huge thing for Ohio State to have because Mac Jones, to me, isn't the same athlete that a Trevor Lawrence is, that a Justin Fields is, and I think that when you get home or if you have an ability to put a lot of pressure on a Mac Jones that can disrupt a guy's timing like a Devontae Smith and these wide receivers with trying to get the ball downfield. So uh, that's out there, absolutely, with the rumors, and that's going to be a thing leading up to Monday, hopefully when they play the game, that Ohio State is dealing with some COVID issues and mainly along that defensive line room. Like I'm saying, again, just rumors that are out there, but the pressure that those guys created in certain spots in the game against Clemson was big time, right? Jonathan Cooper, uh, all of those guys and we know how great Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togi I have been up the middle but I think this Ohio State team maybe in certain spots throughout the season they've missed a little bit of pass rush to maybe help out the defense and help out the secondary and get those guys mm-hmm. off the field and that was really good to see against Clemson those guys really stepping up and getting home and not the names in the middle of the defensive line so fingers crossed that what's out there right now isn't a huge blow as far as the depth in that room like I'm saying nothing confirmed yet but it's out there so I think that's a major factor so I am with you on that because look and I also think Najee Harris is a beast but I think this Ohio State front seven has shown the ability this year to slow down rushing attacks like I so I'm with you that is huge for Ohio State that hopefully it isn't as bad as it is uh, right now with some of the stuff that's out there Give it to Ohio State coaches. They really mixed it up for Trevor Lawrence. They really made him think. I thought he got rid of the ball before he had to sometimes because I think he was there was a weird panic to try to get the ball out faster. They mixed it up on him early on third down. You know, he was looking for ETN on that, you know, one on one on that wheel route and Wade was just sitting out there. You know, and there was only a four man rush. He could have gone somewhere else with it, and he didn't. Now he was designed to get the ball out fast and get it to ETN. I don't know. But there were times, I agree with you, where they mixed it up on him, and then he was in his head a little bit. It was very interesting to see him try when things started to unravel. Togi, I sacked him, got the ball out. Hilliard jumped on it. Tyreek Smith was getting off blocks to set the edge and, and get to Lawrence. Uh, Jean-Baptiste was staying on assignment. He forced a pitch where Justin Hilliard just stuck ETN. That was a big-time defensive performance. And guess what else they did? They got dudes to jump. Remember when Clemson was going to go for it on that fourth and one, deep in their fourth own territory, in their own yep, 22? And six, yep. And Bockhorst jumped, the kid from St. X. That's based on you know, knowing what he had in front of him and knowing that i got to beat the guy in front of me. This is no gift. And I, I think Ohio State's defense you know, was, was very unsung. Cooper was still gunning for the quarterback. He nearly got that sack. He nearly got a strip sack um, after uh, when it was 49-21 after Williams got behind everybody when Ohio State scored that touchdown on the play-action pass on a first and 10, up 21 with 14 minutes to go. I mean, what a call there. 
and then they just started to feast a little bit. They gave up that late touchdown or the touchdown a few minutes later to make it 49-28, and that was it. But I agree. Their, their defense against Lawrence, they, they were not going to let him beat them with his feet again. That was not going to happen. Well, and and they, no. were, they were on it. So yeah. that's what they face against Bama. Bama's, you know, that's why the over-under is where it is. Because everybody believes these, both these offenses are going to just go back and forth down the mm-hmm. field. So it is going to be the team that is able to get that key third down stop. I mean, third down defense, getting off the field, it is. I know that we kind of, it's just fleeting. Okay, that ended a drive, they punt, but it changes everything. I thought that's what happened to Indiana in their bowl game that they lost. They couldn't get off the field on third down. Uh, I thought Luke Fickle's decision to run the ball, I mean, to throw the ball on third and two was a mistake based on the fact that the result tells you it's a mistake to give the ball back, and they could have burned another 25 seconds off before they gave it back to Georgia with no timeouts left. And my point is, if it was third and six, and you want to try to surprise them and go over and try to win the game, maybe I could buy into that, maybe. But on third and two, if you check both boxes if you run. A, you may actually get the damn first down by running. And B, if you don't get it, you're giving it back to Georgia with a minute left with no timeouts. I know they were only down two, and it wasn't comfy. But you know when they went for that, you know. So these decisions, these third down plays, these decisions that are being made, uh, they make all the difference. And Ohio State certainly made the difference against Clemson um, defensively, even though it was Matty. It's being packaged up as a shootout, and Ohio State scored forty nine. But Ohio State's defense against. Clemson in pivotal moments was huge. It was absolutely big time. And we know how, you know, offensively Ohio State played really well there in the second quarter. But to add to your point, Clemson goes into the locker room one of five on third down. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was a huge part there, right? Because we saw offensively, Ohio State was clicking. They were rolling, going into the locker room. Coach Day talked about how important that first drive was coming out of halftime there. So Ohio State did what they needed to do to get off of the field. And that's why it's so important to not give great teams more opportunities. What I'm really interested to see, though, is how Kerry Combs draws this up for his secondary because we talked about and it was highlighted throughout the game, Sean Wade's coverage and how he was covering Powell and bailing out a little bit. Is that the same way you want to go about it? Because I think, you know, Clemson, their receivers this year were not on brand as far as the big time names that mm-hmm. we've seen over the last few seasons. So I think you could go into that game with more confidence and say, okay, let's get a little aggressive with some of these guys. Maybe we mix up some looks. Maybe we try to get in their chest plate and get mm-hmm. a little pressure on them off the line of scrimmage in this game. I don't know if that works the same way because I think, especially with the Waddle thing lingering out there, maybe they're feeling a little bit more confident in him coming back. But even without him, I've been trying to point out who Mechie is and who he can be outside of Devontae Smith. I think they got a little bit more balance in their Mm -hmm. wide receiver room than Clemson does. We know what Powell was doing. He had a, a good game for the Tigers. But how they draw that up in the looks that they give their wide receivers in Mac Jones is very interesting to me because we know how explosive Devontae Smith is. If he's even, he is absolutely leaving. So is this a game where you want to keep everything in front of you? I don't know. Can't play him man-to-man. That's it, right? Yeah. You can't play Devontae that way. He's just too good. And he was the focal point. The second Waddle went down. And Mechie is a sophomore, fairly big, you know, six-foot receiver. His average is off the chart. He's like 18, 18 yards per. Waddle, if he comes back, is a home run threat every time he touches it. 
Miller Forrestal, who I mentioned yesterday, and Billingsley, they got tight ends that look like receivers. They line up outside. They'll get some quick screens. Uh, Billingsley will go in motion. He'll catch the ball on screens. He's catching passes now in the back half of this season. They both look like wide receivers, as I mentioned, at 6'4", 6'5", 240. And they've got more. They've got more depth at receiver. He's got more options. Where Lawrence had, you know, a couple, and he had Rodgers certainly as a threat, but it was really getting ETN on the edge. But Smith and Mechie, if Waddle comes back and Forrestall and Billingsley, they all can. And by the way, in the beginning of the Notre Dame game, it was all Billingsley and Forrestall. It was not Devontae Smith. So they got it. We'll talk about it more as we move throughout the show. Uh, I want to remind everybody about the situation, about taking care of your health. And you know, I've, you've heard me talk about this, and I'm going to keep kind of harping on it because I want to drive you. I want to inspire you to prioritize your health. It's more important than ever now. You know that. Low T Center is the place to go for us guys because they've reinvented, reinvented the doctor's visit. So you're going to go in and get all your levels checked. It's not just for testosterone anymore and to find out where you land in that area, which is important to find out. But you'll get it with your annual wellness exam. They'll do a comprehensive health assessment, so you'll get all your numbers important to your health. So the grumpiness, the tiredness, the weight gain, the loss of muscle mass, it could all be signs of low T. It's very possible. But low thyroid could come into play. Sleep apnea could come into play. And that's what they're going to help you determine the cause and help. They offer monitored, self-injected home testosterone treatments if you need it. And if that's what you deem is, is good for you, they'll help you figure that out. So get to Low T Center today and book that annual wellness exam. That's how you start it. LowTCenter.com, Low T Center Reinventing Men's Healthcare. Maddie, uh, more in the call-out area. Washington, major underdog to Tom Brady in Tampa. But there's one guy who's already calling out the GOAT. Is that a good thing? Can he back it up? We'll talk about it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Constantly interrupting valuable airtime to sell $3 stickers. What a business plan. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. They're both former athletes for a reason. Good thing they can talk sports. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice. Austin Ward, Letterman Row, bottom of the hour, 133. Get the update on the Buckeyes, see if he's hearing anything. What's true, what's not? What are the chances, Maddie? this game could get pushed back a week? Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It's my take. I don't know. We'll see. Everything, every day is different, correct? Oh, of course. Like, that's just where we are. It's just All a right. day-to-day thing. I don't know if I'm thing. mad. Are you hearing? Okay. Yeah, I got all you, right. man. No, it's just a, it's a day-to-day thing. Like, that's yeah. all it is. Same with the Buckeyes. Same with the Brownies. It's just you wake up every morning, and, and you just don't know. You just got to keep your fingers crossed. And these guys are abiding by the rules. I'm sure they're trying to do their best. It's just hard to keep this thing down, man. Yeah. Uh, so... Did Chase Young walk off the field after they had clinched Sunday night yelling, I want Tom Brady? Is that how this went down? That absolutely is how this thing went down. And you know, I love things like this in sports. I love any additional fuel to the fire when we get to these portions of the season, whether it's college football playoff or the playoffs. The former Buckeyes feeling confident, man. Says he wants Tom Brady. Bring him to me. Yeah. 
and I don't know if you're on it. If I'm on a delay or you're on a delay, but one of us is. Uh, we'll try to continue to have this conversation the best we can. But Arians came back and said, watch what you wish for. He had nothing but great things to say about him and Terry McLaurin and called him a hell of a player, Young. Making him a captain as a rookie speaks volumes. We know that. Both of them from Ohio State. Great kids. He's a handful. But <laughs> he he went with the... You know, we're going to have our hands full, but be careful. Better watch what you wish for. And I think that's just Arians jumping back into the competitive pool. Like, you hear that, and it's kind of funny. He didn't have to say anything, but he decided to say, be careful what you wish for, and he he took a little bit of the bait there. And, listen, blocking Chase Young is going to be a headache for them. That's for sure. Keeping him off Tom Brady is going to be a headache. It's not like Tom moves around very well. But Chase walking up the field and saying, I want Tom Brady. That might be something you'd, your first time in, you might want to keep to yourself. But he's a very confident kid. He's been able to back it up, and now he's going to get the chance. Yeah, he absolutely is going to get the chance. And look, they, they've got the horses up front to make this a little weird for Tom Brady with all the first round picks that they have racked up over the last few years. And the cherry on top was Chase Young. This is how they wanted their defense to run. They wanted to build it off the defensive line. They looked at San Francisco. That's a team that had a lot of success doing that a year ago. When you get a guy like Chase Young, the way that they did with Nick Bosa, that can really turn a corner for you. But it is a dangerous game to play with a guy like this, especially in this type of atmosphere right because this is Tom Brady's world when we talk about the playoffs and the Super Bowl he's been running this for a very very long time when Chase Young was still in elementary school eating box lunches I'm sure so I, I like that Bruce Arians responded and that's who Bruce Arians is he's one of the few head coaches I'm sure around the league that would jump on board and get this thing going a little bit but we'll see how it plays out and look Tom Brady like you said he ain't going anywhere if you collapse the pocket so I don't have a huge issue with this for Chase Young it's just who he's who he decided to to go after was very, very interesting. I wouldn't have done it, and his coach didn't like it very much, Ron Rivera. He couldn't get fully behind it. He said, it's going to be bulletin board material. Let's be honest about that. They'll have fun with it. You've got to chalk it up to youthful exuberance, but that's who Chase is. This is a balance. You know, These guys are pros, so you make the assumption that they're going to be professional at every moment, but I guess this is about being a young pro is that he's confident he's going to get a chance to go after him. And he may get him a couple times, and actually Chase may have a good game. It doesn't mean Tom Brady won't either, right? So if I'm Chase Young, it's not that I am that I don't have the confidence that I can get to Brady and affect him. It's I can't do it all by myself the entire game. And so that's where I always stand on this stuff. I understand that he's confident that he's going to have a good game and be able to get to him, but... If you're lighting more of a fire under Tom Brady at this point in his career, I would never subscribe to that theory. I just wouldn't I would do want, it. I would want to stay away. I wouldn't away. do that to my team. Yeah, I would want to stay away from that. You just don't, like like we've been talking about with Ohio State the last few weeks, they got some stuff with Dabo. They got a little something now from little Nikki's daughter. And when you mess around with great programs or great players that are already going to be locked in for these moments, don't give them anything else. Don't give them anything else to really get them going even more. So I don't think this game is out of the realm of possibilities for Washington to win because of their ability to get to Tom Brady. 
But, man, we know when Tom Brady is in the playoffs more times than not, he is going to play well. And even if he doesn't play well throughout the game, if you give him the football with his with a, with a chance to win the game late, Tom Brady usually delivers. So, look, number 99 for Washington's got to step up. We know he's got the talent to do so, but we also know number 12 has the ability to rip your defense apart and send you home to Cancun. Yeah, and he's got the weapons to do it, and he's got the motivation to do it. He left. He wanted to prove that he could win a Lombardi somewhere else. And I'm not saying that he's not you know, aware of Chase Young. He certainly is. And that's, that is scary to have his offensive line try to block him. But like I said before, I have no reason to believe that Chase Young will not be able to affect him. It's just I wouldn't want to send anything personal his way if I could help it. And I'd keep that in-house completely or on the field when it's going on, not before the game. All right, we'll come back. Austin War from Letterman Row will join us. Rothman and Ice on the fan. There's nothing like waking up, turning on your radio, and hearing the ramblings of dummies. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. Saturday mornings at 9. The Fan. Your home for hockey and hounds. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice-Hayes. We open up the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Welcome on our friend from Letterman Row. He is Austin Ward, A-Dub in the house. Happy New Year, my friend. How you doing? Doing great, guys. Happy New Year. Yeah, you as well. So everybody listening, every Buckeye fan wants to make sense of rumor versus fact. And, you know, we knew this would be a fluid situation, but they come back from the biggest victory of the year and perhaps the biggest victory in a long time to hearing, trying to prepare for Alabama and hearing the rumors of COVID issues. What do you yeah. know? What can you tell us? What can you confirm or deny? Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the situation can change every day, Anthony. You know that. Um, yeah. But what I can say is that Ohio State has had positive COVID tests in the program for the last six weeks. It's not a matter of a new outbreak or you know lack of control or you know, any of this other, like, it's been going on for six weeks. Once it got in the woody, that was virtually going to be impossible to get it out. And they, the fact that the practice facility was open on Monday and Tuesday, that practice continued as normal, tells you that the levels were not at a, a you know, to a point where Ohio State needed to ask for a postponement uh, to January 18th. Why uh, this story came out and was reported from uh, Alabama media as opposed to Columbus media who could easily verify that the facility was open yesterday and that practice had continued. Um, you know, I don't know what prompted that. Um, you know, I, we, we continue at Letterman Road to not reveal specifics of individuals who test positive. Ohio State has positive tests. That's not new. There were players that missed the Sugar Bowl. There are going to be players that missed the title game. There are not mm-hmm. enough players at this point that would necessitate moving it back to January 18th. And quite frankly, Ohio State does not want that because um, anyone who tests positive after the Sugar Bowl would not be able to play by the 18th, according to the Big Ten protocol. So that would mean pushing it back would only potentially add to players who might test positive down the road and miss the game. Uh, now that's you know that's just one other part of it. Ohio State also just wants to play the game. They have enough people to play the game. Um, they're ready to go on Monday at this point. Okay. 
Good. Th- thanks for some clarity there, because I know there's just a lot to unpack there, also. And I know there's just a lot going on, and I'm sure it's been very confusing for a lot of people. So thanks, <coughs> excuse me, for that. Sorry. But coming out of last night, we had an interesting tweet from the head coach's daughter of Alabama, oh, Nick yeah. Saban, and how that went about. And she was kind of hinting at that this had more to do with Justin Fields and his health and all of that stuff. Your reaction to what she threw out there, then later deleted. Uh, I thought it was outrageous, uh, and it's pretty it's, for for a coach who has his entire program pretty much in line not to ever step out and give bulletin board material uh, or or that rat poison that he likes to call out for his own program for his own daughter to do that. I thought was uh, staggering because uh, that went immediately uh, around Ohio State's program. They caught wind of that obviously quickly in the social media world, and they were offended by that suggestion, as you can imagine that they would be. Um, that a that the COVID issues uh, aren't real uh, when when players are going to have to miss the game on Monday, just like several of them had to miss a Big Ten title game or a Sugar Bowl. Um, you know, to make light of that uh, is is pretty um, uh, outlandish to me. But the second part is, do, would anybody think that Justin Fields is not going to be a hundred percent after the shot that he took um, uh, on Friday night? And I'm not sure that seven more days is going to make any difference for him. Um, you know, and if he's in discomfort, that is going to require any kind of attention once the season is over, which I don't know. The, uh, I, I can't say one way or another if that's actually the case. But, um, you know, another week of having to deal with the pain and go through practices, I don't think that would be what he wanted to sign up for. He is another player that would want to play on Monday night and get that game rolling as soon as possible. All of this, too. Um, ignores the fact that this has been such a trying year since June um, and the protocols that they've gone through, even if they haven't um, you know, been able to completely mitigate the disease, not being able to be around their families, not being able to be around other people. like They want this part over. They want to play for a national title on Monday night, and they're ready to get back to as much of a normal life as they can be where it's not daily testing and, and living in the facility. And you know, you know, The disease won't suddenly vanish after Monday night, but some of the things they've had to deal with will be over like every part of this for Ohio State they are pushing to play on Monday they do not want to wait another week Austin Ward with us Ohio State football reporter for Letterman Row all right let me ask you a two-parter then and I'll take you back to maybe my original question just so we can be be completely clear do you believe that there were starters who played in the Sugar Bowl for Ohio State that have recently tested positive upon return um, they came back from Friday night. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, possible. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to talk about position units or anything mm-hmm. like that. But there, there are new, new po- positive tests, as has been the case for the last six weeks. I don't believe that the exact same starting lineup will be on the field on Monday night as was Friday night. Okay, and then my second thing is. The way the Big Ten is handled, it, we know how hard, uh, you know how high these hurdles are for these teams to clear them every week, and then right. uh, the protocols that have changed. What about what you've heard with Clemson getting down there, and it's the second they got on the plane when they left the university, that that was it, their tests were done? Is that true? And then the other part, did they even get tested on game day? And then what about Bama? How, how are they treating this week as far as testing and protocols that you've heard? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of frustration about what the way Clemson's testing protocol worked. Um, I would think, and, and, and just looking at it from 
someone who doesn't cover their team, if the offensive coordinator had just tested positive, you would naturally assume that there could be a contact tracing issue uh, with people that he you know meets with um, and would require additional testing after that. I, uh, Clemson was done uh, when they got to New Orleans, um, and I don't. And I, I think that when you look back at the way that that Florida State Clemson debacle happened in November with the cancellation and you know a guy traveling on the plane testing positive and then Clemson wanting to play, I, I don't. This isn't the first time that people have been skeptical of uh, either the ACC testing policy or the way that Clemson has applied it. Um, now, there's all. I, I will say the flip side is that. Uh, most uh, studies have concluded that there's not a great risk of transmission on the field. Um, I'm not, you know, a doctor. I just that's just what my understanding of the situation is. But there is certainly uh, an element of Ohio State that was not thrilled with the discrepancy and the testing between the two. Um, Alabama's testing policy, to my understanding, is is certainly um, not at the daily level the way the Big Ten and Ohio State have approached the last two months has been. But they will. Um, need to test, I believe, within three days of the game. So I don't, uh, I'm a little unclear on when exactly that, if that's going to be Friday night for them before they go to Miami or if they will take a test once they get there. One of the biggest problems, Anthony, that we've had through this entire year is that every conference is on a different playing field, and that's magnified when you get to the college football playoff and you had three different leagues with three different protocols. If you're trying to put the safest, cleanest field together, I just don't understand how you can have dis- different protocols for every team, it's it's competitively unfair, and in terms of health and safety, it's also unfair. And it's just, um, and it's the way this 2020 and COVID 19 have in, into 2021 now have worked out. But it's just it makes your head spin because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's been crazy, absolutely, Austin. One thing I've been really curious about this year is the guys and their interaction with their families, because I know that's kind of been floating out there with you know talking mm-hmm. to families and maybe hugging families after games. What have they been allowed to do? How much interaction physically have their families been allowed to have with them when they've been coming to some of these games this year? Yeah, um, you know when they're in that stadium, done, and it was a little bit, you know, you definitely took notice of that because the celebration was spilling over and guys wanted to see their family on Friday night in New Orleans. Um, and there were, you know, guys hugging. And, I, you know, it, you've seen it on social media that some families, you know, family members are, are talking about, well, you know, why did this person hug that person? Because they'd all sacrificed doing that since June. They're, they're not supposed to uh, have done that. They say to treat every person that you see as if they have uh, COVID to try and stay safe through that. Um uh, look, I I can get how hard that would be and how much they want to celebrate and get a little contact with their families when they didn't get to go home for Christmas and all that. Um, you know, uh, we we definitely saw families taking pictures together on Friday night after the win, and I understand the temptation why. Um, I, I think at some point you just have to, you know, throw up your hands and say, these guys have sacrificed enough, and if they, you know, took a slight risk for five minutes to, to hug their moms, I think we've all been in that situation before, and and have to understand it. They've made so many incredible sacrifices beforehand. You also would hate to see it if they you get to the finish line and that, you know, winds up being, you know, something that trips somebody up. I don't know if that'll be the case or not. It'd be almost impossible to prove it. But, um, you know, they've, for the most part, stayed completely away from in-person contact. Josh Myers has been a person that had talked about that all along. The only time he's been, you know, seeing his family is on FaceTime and they, that's that's a close-knit group that's gone to every game of his life until 
they weren't allowed to be in the horseshoe in November. So um, that's, you know, that's been one of the big challenges. And I, I can't, you know, say or say that they handled it 100% perfectly, nor would I expect that they, you know, should do that. Well done, Austin Ward with us from Leonard Monroe, man. Always appreciate the conversation as we march towards Monday. Hopefully things will, <laughs> will steady and they'll have everything they need. But uh, like you said, it's daily, it's fluid, and, and we'll stay on it, man. Thanks for jumping on. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Austin thanks, Ward, Austin. Leonard Monroe. Yeah. He was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangist Hotline. All right, Matty, when we come back, we'll do a little Buckeye Bulletin time. There was supposed to be a basketball game. Uh, there is not. We'll give you an update on that. And then also... Uh, big award for Justin Fields as it kind of continues with a long line of Buckeyes. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, the NFL, and fat weird guys talking about eating people. I'm hungry. Is it time to eat? It's all on the fan. Ohio's sports destination. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the chill? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train furnaces, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Buckeye Bulletin time, Maddie. Justin Fields awarded the Chicago Tribune Silver Football. Mm. Well, the Buckeyes, too, as we know, the consecutive Big Ten championships, college football, playoff appearances. Best player in the Big Ten, and they've been handing this thing out since the 1920s. It's voted on by the coaches, just to, to be clear with everyone so they know who votes on this stuff. And he is the 22nd Buckeye to win the award, and seventh in the past nine years. Eighth quarterback to do it. Haskins, JT, Braxton, Troy, Joe Germain. Arch Schleister, Corny Green, all have a silver football. And when you think about, I was thinking about this the other day, about the two guys that have really, I mean, churned this thing to greatness. Two transfers, Justin Fields, Trey Sermon. Two transfers into this program have led them to the playoff. And certainly a lot of other dudes, but that just jumped out at me. That you know, I got buddies of mine in Chicago that'll text me like, "Man, you guys, you guys get all the great football players in Ohio, man." They all, I go, "Of course," but look at the guys that are leading the team. They're not from Ohio. They're not Ohio guys. And look at the quarterback <laughs> who led the team before Justin Fields, mm-hmm. also a transfer, Dwayne Haskins. Right, he was in Maryland right. or committed to Maryland. He was all about Maryland. He comes from. The Maryland area comes over to Columbus and balls out for that 2018 season. So not surprised by this at all when you look at what Justin Fields was able to do this season, even though he had a couple hiccup games there with Indiana and Northwestern for the most part, man. This guy has been special, and he has delivered on a lot of the hype when he did transfer in from Georgia even before he got to Georgia. This this guy was recognized as one of the best quarterbacks around college football, excuse me, high school football attached to Trevor Lawrence. So Ohio State gets a little three-peat here, 2018-2019. In 2020, Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young, and Justin Fields rack it up for Ohio State, bringing home this award. And it also looks like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave got some nice uh, recognition as well with their votes. And Garrett Wilson got one first-place vote. Chris Olave picked up two second-place votes, and rightfully so, based off of what they were able to do and being attached to Justin Fields and getting open uh, game in and game out. Those guys have been special, too. So, yeah, this is the, uh, the recognition that uh, Justin Fields absolutely deserves with the season that he put out there for the Buckeyes. 
Defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young. We already talked about him. Finished with 44 tackles, 7.5 sacks, 10 tackles for loss. Pounded the quarterback about 12 times. Forced a lot of fumbles. Had some recoveries. Everything that was advertised about Chase Young making an impact on this league happened this season so far, and now he's got the biggest test. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, this is, uh, I think he's only going to get better and better. I mean, we saw this last year with him, you know, leading the nation in sacks and still missing a couple games uh, due to that whole situation with him. And now, like, I don't think anybody's surprised by this. We know that this is the player that he could be. And I think moving forward now, based off the talent that he has, like, I'm not going to be surprised in a couple years we start talking about Chase Young and the defensive player of the year conversation because I I think he is just that good. And I think now he's got a shot to get after one of the all time greats and really blow up his name even more so than it already is. So that's going to be a fun unit to watch for a couple more years to come, man, led by Chase Young. And I think they're going to be getting after people in the NFC East. And there's a funny clip going around with Mike Tomlin and Chase Young interacting on the sideline. And he was just talking about the physical stat, this physical, like how he looks. And he's like one of those guys, first guy off the bus type of look, an intimidating Mm -hmm. figure, man, when you roll out there and you got Chase Young on your squad. You feel good about that. So I think... I think the sack numbers, man, year in and year out are going to be right there with some of the best. And once the game slows down for him and he learns how these offensive linemen want to get after him, he's only going to attack even more. So special, special talent who's just getting started. I tweeted out a video right before the game last on on uh, Friday night of the video when you and I were standing there waiting for the team to come out in Arizona. Yeah. And just the the confident swagger that that team walked out and seeing Chase yeah and the uh the half cut jersey a little bit and just yeah. going my goodness that yeah. is a a scary human being uh, as far as what's going on at Texas and Ohio State recruiting so far all good uh with with the chains with with Sark going to Texas and it, and it looks like so far that all the uh, the coaching change has not impacted any of Ohio State's five star commits. Well, that's that's an area where they yeah. felt really confident, even under Urban and Ryan Day, and both of these coaching staffs have gone down to Texas and brought out some really good players. We touched on, you know, Garrett Wilson obviously with some Dublin ties, but he was a Texas guy, and there's just countless guys on these rosters that have been very impactful coming from the state of Texas, and I can't imagine that's going to change too much until Sark really turns a corner down there for uh, for Texas, excuse me, because it's a big brand and has a lot of history, obviously, down there in their mm-hmm. state. I'm sure those kids are well aware of that, but we also know how important it is for these guys to get their name out there to the world and get to the NFL, and mm-hmm. sometimes these other schools right now can maybe offer these five- or four-star recruits better opportunities to do so based off of what Texas has been doing. You mentioned recruiting. wanted to touch on this because we've been having so much stuff going on. We haven't got to this. Just a couple of days ago, a five-star cornerback, Jaheen Singletary, out of Jacksonville, did commit to Ohio State. He's going to be in the 2022 class. So the recruiting class is rolling. This coaching staff is still doing a heck of a job out there on the trail and some of the best players in the country are recognizing that so Kerry Combs the, he's, his staff on the defensive side of the football get another talented guy coming up uh, six foot one 170 uh, ranks 10th overall number five cornerback in the 2022 class coming up to uh, Columbus here fairly soon Jaheim Singletary all right that is today's Buckeye Bulletin we'll do a sports center update top of the hour here we'll get back into the deep dive tell you what's going on up at the Browns facilities still closed 
We'll give you the update on that. And third hour will include Hockey and Hounds with Torts as well from CBJ Camp. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. All right, welcome back in, Rothman and Ice. We are presented by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Gemini Parkway. The Iceman with me today, and we're talking about a lot of things, including the Buckeyes. Let me refresh something, Maddie, at least from the Q&A and the great conversation we had with Austin Ward from Letterman Row. And I and this is the most clarity that I think I could ever get out of what's happening this week. Because we know Ohio State has had COVID issues for a while. He said that, that once it's been in the Woody Hayes, it's been very tough to kind of control it and navigate it. And they've always had guys that would be unavailable due to a contact tracing or COVID itself. But when I asked him specifically, did Ohio State have guys who started in the game on Friday recently have positive tests upon return? And his answer to that was yes. Mm Mm-hmm. That he believed that, that this wasn't just a continuation of who they had isolated. That these are new positives. Who? He didn't say. And, but the situation, at least he did confirm that they have hurdles this week. And whether they're going to have to play without some key guys, we don't know. I have to assume if, a, if there are starters, then they would be defined as key because they start for the Ohio State Buckeyes mm-hmm. going into a national title game, whoever they may be. And so that's the situation we have. If, it, if he did also say that the building was open and they were practicing, so of the guys that couldn't be there, the other question that, that I failed to ask him, which would have been they practicing without guys this week who they did have last week. And... And it sounds like the answer to that is probably. And so it's always been something they've been dealing with. And whether there's a push to cancel, he said no, because the fact that Ohio State, just delaying it, would almost give more time for other positives. And the guys that are already positive, you'd have to delay it two and a half weeks for that to make a difference. Right. Yeah. Which won't happen. Yeah, right. So it's very complicated and very unfortunate. Like, it really is. Like, all of this just sucks, and especially when you just look at the magnitude of this game. We know how much weight this game holds. We know how much bragging rights comes from winning a game like this, and Ohio State was fortunate to be in this situation just a handful of years ago and absolutely hoist up that trophy with Urban and call themselves a national champion. And that's just – it's crazy to just think that we're even in this headspace with what's going on. And it's just – you feel for him, man. Like you really do, because it's been it's been unreal, and we don't know who this directly has who it's directly impacted. There's plenty of rumors out there, and that's a dangerous game to play with things like this. But there are people trying to piece this thing together, and, and you know, trying to figure out who's going to be out. But so, yeah, Austin, that was some some good stuff that he brought to the table because I think it probably brought a little bit more clarity to a situation that's very murky for a lot of people, myself included, but we do know, like he also clarified that even if this thing gets pushed to the 18th, that's going to complicate things for guys that have tested positive uh, very recently. So it's it's unbelievable because now it's kind of like we're back to the same headspace that we were in for the Michigan State game. And you brought up, I thought, a list of questions, and one of those questions has always jumped out to me that I thought was big is the who. Like Now that's also 
right back to where I was for the game against Michigan State. And we didn't have the status report until that day, and I'm assuming that's going to be the same thing. So I think it's going to be a bit of a guessing game leading up to Monday, hopefully, when this game is played, as far as who's going to be available for Ohio State. So <laughs> I can't believe that we're here, even though I should be wrapping my my mind around this because we've been doing it all year. Mm-hmm. But it's just unfortunate, man, because you want both of these teams to be as healthy as they mm-hmm. possibly can and really go out the strongest way possible. And it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, unfortunately, for Ohio State. Unfortunate is the right word. And that's all I can reduce it to right now because I don't know. you. I, I don't think anybody wants to win a national title if they were gifted it. Because where in the place in history, it would not resonate very well. But what tips that over the top to it's unfortunate to this is wrong? Like that that's the thing. And I don't even know if there's a right answer. Like we've been saying, how, how long could you delay it? And yeah. if you keep delaying, see, the problem is this isn't someone, this isn't, this isn't you got a couple guys that are sick or something. And if you delay it, they'll be healthy and everything will be fine. You, every every day and every week that gets delayed, you're bringing more chances of new positive tests because there's no bubble here. So once we hopped into it this way, you're right. It's you got to go, and I don't know what would tip it for me. It's the quarterback, certainly on both teams. I can't even tell. I know Bama has a, a young five star freshman that that Mac Jones beat out earlier this year and won the job, and yeah. we know we haven't seen enough from Ohio State. But can you imagine? It's like I said to Shefty. You're trying to sell a game to the public, to the fan bases, to make it worth something where some team is at a major advantage, like major at quarterback. I have no idea what would happen if Justin Fields or Mac Jones got COVID this week. Yeah, I don't. Because if, if it's Justin Fields, well, we're we going to delay it three weeks? Right. Yeah. And I think that's why in the beginning of the year – we all hopped into a, this with faith, right? Because we, we all wanted a season. The kids wanted it. Their mm-hmm. parents wanted it. The schools wanted it. The coaches wanted it. And they pushed hard to get it. And now that they got it, it's not like that once you were rewarded with a season that suddenly they wave the magic wand and say, okay, well, as long as we're allowing you to play, it'll all be fine. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. And so they all jumped into it with a certain set of rules that certainly the Big Ten had to have a sliding scale on. And we're vindicated by doing it because of how Ohio State has responded in both the Big Ten title game and winning that and getting to the playoff and winning their first round. So this is where we are. It, it would be the same, and we have flipped it a lot. If, if, if Bama was dealing with a couple guys, I'm sure we'd be like, hey, it's the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. This season was not supposed to be ideal for anyone, and everybody pushed for it. And we got to the final game. Two teams left standing in the final week. So I agree with you. I think it's on the it's under the unfortunate label, unless one of the quarterbacks would be out. And then I'd be like, well, what am I watching this for? I already know yeah. the outcome. There's no way Ohio State beats them without fields. And there's no way Bama I shouldn't say no way. I don't know for a fact. Right. There but if you want to talk about swinging this game and and everything that's involved in it, we know that it's offense versus offense, firepower versus firepower. Who can come up with the key stop, the key turnover, the key red zone stop? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That will—that's the biggest part of this game. Is anything? 
And so here we are, and we've landed at this spot where the Ohio State is now, I think, about an eight-point underdog. It's Whether so hard to answer, but I think you do bring up a good point. And for some reason, my mind keeps going back to Clemson and what they dealt with. And I'm not saying that Alabama's quarterback room is the same, nor Ohio State's with the backups, because it's it's an unknown. We haven't seen these guys play hardly at all. But when DJ Uyunglele steps in mm-hmm. and they go up and put out a pretty good performance, that can maybe get you to a spot to say, okay, these programs are loaded with talent. I understand that you don't have Justin Fields, you don't have Mac Jones. That absolutely changes the complete dynamic of the national championship. But part of me also is like, well, you got to kind of charge it to the game, man. Like, that's just where we're at. Like, and I understand the sizzle of a national championship game without those guys absolutely is gone. Like, for a lot of people, I get that. But that's where we are. And I, I, I would, I think I would be a little surprised if the scenario that you laid out there would lend the committee to canceling the game if the f- first string quarterbacks couldn't play. Like if everybody else was okay and mm-hmm. you still had Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and Chris Olave and Trey Sermon and all mm-hmm. of those guys, I think the game still rolls along. Now, obviously we, we all wouldn't enjoy it as much as we would with those guys. But I think I'd be a little surprised if that would be the one reason why they canceled the game. I think if you get a handful of those guys or a couple of those guys for each team, then I'm on board with you. But I think I got to stay consistent with that exact same scenario. Mm-hmm. I think you just charge it to the game and you got to take the L. Yeah. I mean, you got to fight with what you have. And then the expectations change for everyone if that were to happen. The College Football Management Committee, which was reported by. Uh, Pat Forty, I believe, says that they established the following for player thresholds for playoff game for the playoff games. You got to have fifty three dudes that can go. You got to have seven offensive linemen, only four D linemen, and one quarterback. If a playoff team falls below those numbers, then they can seek a postponement, or they can actually. Or they can play if they want to. But his source says, I think they're both okay in terms of Ohio State and Bama pending further developments, of course. And so I'm going to go on that, that there's potential, like Austin said, that Ohio State would be out a couple key guys, which they have been in the past along the way. I have not heard anything from Bama's side except them buying into Ohio State's on del- in delay mode delay strategy and so that's what i'm going to go with that we're sitting here on wednesday at 2 13 and we we don't have anything we won't get anything if the game is on if they leave and travel down there i can't imagine there would be a point of, of return on that correct like if they get on a plane and go unless something would happen the day of the game where all of a sudden they get down there and, and a, a handful of guys are testing positive and they fall below the threshold. I would think once you go, you go. Once yeah. you fly, once once you put those guys on a plane together and go down there like they did for the Sugar Bowl, we're going, we're, we're going with what we have. 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, because you and I were kind of scratching our heads last week with the whole Clemson thing. Where we were saying, wait a minute, they tested positive, they're hopping on the plane, and when they get there, they're done? Like That that, that made no sense to me, especially with what was happening with Tony Elliott and their offensive coordinator. I believe there's stuff out there now with a running back coach or whatever they had going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think you, you should continue to do that as close to kickoff as possibly can. That doesn't really wreck the schedules of a football team. That way they could still feel like they could do what they need to do you know, on the day of the game and all of that stuff, but like just overdo it in my mind just to get done with the season and have everyone on the same page and also this is a conversation for another day all of this stuff that we've been talking about throughout this entire year just goes back to the sport needs a commissioner we need one voice we need one voice so all this stuff where we've got this individualized stuff going on conference to conference has made this i think very complicated as well ESPN, their football power index has given bama a 62 percent chance of winning the game they're an eight point favorite in most places and the game is still scheduled for Monday after 8 o'clock. When we come back, we'll update the Brown situation, and then you'll hear from some of the Bama guys and maybe a slight already thrown Ohio State's way from one of their seniors. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. One guy is fat. The other is fatter. And both are kind of stupid. Pretty much sums up the whole show. Uh-huh. Common Man and Tebow. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. The hardest working show in the business. Or at least at this station. In their time slot. This is Rothman and Ice. Alright, back at it. Towards bottom of the hour. Hockey and Hounds. Buckeyes game against Penn State and Hoops postponed. Because of Penn State COVID issues. I guess they got a lot of issues there. With dudes after their game against Illinois. And then leaving for the Christmas holiday break. So use your imagination what happened there, and then they came back, and then end of story. They've got a handful. And Greg Gard said that from Wisconsin. He, I guess he said yeah. they got a handful from the, from the holiday situation. So Ohio State would next suit up uh, against Rutgers, a team that they beat by 12 right before Christmas, and they would have to go to Rutgers and play them at noon on Saturday. So that looks like, Maddie, that will be the next situation for Ohio State. And Rutgers has lost a couple in a row now. A couple of decent yeah. teams in Iowa and Michigan State. But they're on a little mm-hmm. bit of a bender now since they lost Ohio State. They've now lost three of their last four. Um, the Browns facility is still closed, although no new positive COVIDs, according to Adam Schefter. So life goes on there for Cleveland. So they're closed and doing their contact tracing. And we know that the situation right now with their Sunday night game. And the Buckeyes are practicing. And they're going to have a bunch of defensive guys meeting the media today. So their building is open. So they've got things under control. It doesn't mean that they won't be shorthanded. There's your COVID update here on Rothman and Ice. <laughs> I just can't. Like, I, I can't wait for us to be talking about, remember when? Like, mm. Remember when? When's that going to We had to talk about, exactly. That's the key question there. When is that going to be? I cannot wait to get there, my yeah. man. All right, quickly, let's do a couple of these before we bring on Torts at the bottom of the hour. Um, by the way, Alex Leatherwood, their left tackle, supposedly threw out a little backhanded deal in the Zoom. I don't have the exact sound, but I can paraphrase it when he said, you know, hopefully they're ready to play football. I don't know if he meant it from an intensity standpoint or from whether he was taking a little cue from Saban's daughter. Probably the latter. Oh, but anyway, Saban, yeah. Saban has to be hating 
all of this, like all of this, because Austin kind of touched on it a little bit there mm-hmm. in our interview where he mentioned the term rat poison, and that just came from a few years ago where the media, he was mad at the media, he said, for pumping his team up a little too much, and he called it rat poison, let alone his own flesh and blood getting the, getting the, uh, add a little gas in the tank of Ohio State, and then his players doing a little talking to, look, they're confident, they're confident, but Ohio State's got to be loving this. Of course they are. Keep talking. Keep talking. I mean, it's it's really unbelievable to me that Ohio State didn't earn enough respect in pounding Clemson that Bama wouldn't just shut up. This is like (laughs) Gordon Gecko in Wall Street, another movie you got to put on your list. He's got to go full Gecko here, Saban. I want Ziploc on this national title game, or I'm going to personally come down there and rip out their blanking throats. I love it. I That's love it. what Saban needs to do. Go full oh, Gordon Gecko goodness. on this thing, man. Yeah, man. Anyway, yeah, man. here's uh, here's Sark, the, the departing one, talking about Ohio State's defense. Well, clearly they're all very talented players. You know, I think the two corners have great length. They play the ball extremely well when it's in the air. Thus, you know, you see the turnovers. Um, they, they can play man-to-man. They can play zone coverage. You know, I think one of the keys to, to passing the football is, is doing a great job up front. You know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to protect well when it's time to throw the football. Um, so we can allow Mac the time and the receivers time to, to do their thing down the field. And then we're going to have to win one on one opportunities when they come. And I think, you know, when, when it's a talented group back there, uh, that's the challenge, uh, is to win your one on one battles. Um, so that's what the focus will be on. There you go. There's a coach. There's coach talk for you. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Beef them up. Go full Lou Holtz on them. <laughs> Best team we've ever faced. So we can allow Mac to be the knife. We'll find out, Maddie. Let's break. We'll come back with Torts, Hockey and Hounds. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Movie references you may not get, even if you saw the movie. This is Rothman and Ice. Here we go. Time for Hockey and Hounds. Hockey and Hounds brought to you by Tell Higher Credit Union. Torts is on the line with us. Torts, happy new year, happy and healthy. How you doing? How's everybody? How's the gang? Everybody's well, Anthony. Good to speak with you and Maddie. Uh, hope you guys are well and safe. We are. So we are. We get older, your team stays the same or gets younger. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the beat goes on, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. I, I wanted to ask you about, you know, I think, you know, a cliche question for me to ask you would be what's your biggest strength? And I don't know, maybe you can tell me. I, I already know your team has cohesiveness. I already know they have self-awareness. They kind of know who they are. But from a coaching standpoint and going in with a very short camp and having to hit the ice going, um, what will it take What will take the most time for you to figure out about your team? Well, I think it's a little bit of a, a different situation for us, not with the, uh, with the pandemic, the short schedule and all that. It, it is... Uh, I like to see us, and I have talked to the media about this. I like to see us open up a little bit offensively. Uh, I I, I think we should have enough confidence in our goaltending that we can start exploring that. And uh, I I like to see how the players handle that. 
quite honestly, I like to see how the coaches handle that. Uh, as you may make some more mistakes, uh, there may be some turnovers. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see how we all try to, and I like to put it, try to learn how to win games down a different road. Uh, we know who we are, as you just stated. Uh, we know the foundation of our team as far as how stiff we are, how well we play away from the puck. But we're going to have to learn how to win different ways. And uh, uh, we found that out against Tampa. Tampa took a lesson from us when we beat them the prior year because, quite honestly, I thought they could only win one way, and that was all offense. We stopped them that way and ended up finding our way. They learned to win different ways now, and I think that's why they're the Stanley Cup champion. Coach, good, good to talk to you. Looking forward to the season getting going, you know, next week. I wanted to ask you about an off-season kind of scenario because obviously you're running through your players and how you guys can get better as a collective uh, for the next season. But is there an amount of time that you spend in an off-season to where you look at yourself as a head coach and say, okay, maybe I could tweak this or tweak that, uh, maybe make myself a better coach for the next year? All the time, Matty. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's a really uh... – yeah, all the time. I'm uh, not just in the offseason, but during the season, too. As as you go through situations uh, real time during the season, uh, sometimes you step back after a couple of weeks and say, man, that didn't work, and uh, that didn't help that player. You, I, I think you always are reassessing. Without losing who you are, without losing your personality as a coach and, and what, what, what you are as a person – you still have to uh, make adjustments as far as where your team is and where that personality is as that individual player. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, I, I think one of the most important things of a coach is to understand where your team's strengths are, uh, where that person's strength is, try to touch upon that as best you can, uh, and try to win that way. You, you can't try to win your way when you don't have the personnel that's willing or able, quite honestly, to do that. Torts with us, Hockey and Hounds, as we've, we've had this many seasons with Torts, and we thank everyone for supporting this. And we've got some great animal stuff to get to along the way on, on these Wednesdays at 2.30, Torts. It's, it's been incredible. But as we continue to talk about your team for a moment here, and, and keeping up offensively in this league is always a challenge. And like we said, we know your identity how will you keep up offensively? How do you feel that strategy may change, personnel, lines? Um, when, you, when the challenge to keep up offensively rears its ugly head, um, where do you go with this team? Where do you hang your hat, you think, offensively? Yeah, you know, I, I think the first thing that, that needs to change a little bit, and, and it's the evolution of the team, is, is our language to them, how we present our meetings to them. Uh, I think athletes, uh, just what you say to them, sometimes athletes just want to hang on those words. You told me I need to do this. You know, it, it's, and I think our language has to change into uh, them hearing something different, uh, maybe leading off with offensive things in a meeting versus uh, worrying about how we're going to keep the puck out of the net. Just short things like that, small things like that. I think is a start. And then we've got to uh, see what we have. I mean, we've got this Greg Arenko has been impressive to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he can play. Uh, I haven't seen him play that much. I don't know if he can play, but he certainly has all the tools as I've watched him the past few days. Uh, 
Uh, what is he when you start playing the real stuff? Domi. Uh, I watched Domi today in our power play practice this morning. I watched him make plays that uh, we couldn't even think about making play. Uh, uh, we didn't have people to make it last year, make plays like that. Will he be able to do it in a game? Uh, you know, uh, Koivu, can we get some offense out of him? We know we're going to get from away from the puck, but can we get some offense out of him? And, and, and to me, Anthony, the most important thing is once we start going down that road, uh, are we going to be able to handle uh, situational play? Because that's what's going to come up quite a bit as we start trying to mature as a team and try to win different ways. There are certain times in the game you just simply have to defend and play play to your foundation in certain situations, certain momentums of games. Are we able to do that? Or are we going to just forget about, okay, well, he said we can go down here and maybe try and play there and uh, you know, be creative here. But there's certain times you got to fall back onto your foundation in the middle of a 60-minute hockey game and just buckle down. Are we going to be able to do that? And these are all questions uh, that, that are wide open for the players and, quite honestly, the coaching staff. You know, Coach, got some good news coming down today with, you know, Bjorky and him signing that five-year extension. And we know how talented of a guy he is. And I, I look at AR and I were talking about it earlier. And I said, I think this still, this guy's got room to grow. He can get even better. The way you look at Bjorky right now, the player that he is, what do you want from him moving forward uh, now that he's going to be around for a little while? Yeah, and, and, and there's a definition of a guy uh, the past few years that – has really gone through the process with me. Uh, there were some ugly days with him and I early on, and and I and I, and I say this: I you knew you knew what his skill was. Uh, uh, Yarmo filled me in on him right away when I came to this team. Uh, but there were some there were some really tough times for him with me and the coaching staff for a couple of years. But he hung in there, uh, knew it was a process, knew some of the things weren't personal. Uh, just went about his business and tried to get better. And for me, the turning point for him was when he just said, you know what, I'm going to block everything out and I'm just going to learn how to battle, win puck battles on the boards, uh, play hard away from the puck, and that will allow me to have the puck more offensively. That was my biggest concern with him was just understanding what the full game was because you could see his skill. I mean, my gosh, his shot. And but he needed to understand what it is to be a pro, and it takes a while. And there's no specific timeline for, 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 for a coach to a player. It's always different with all different players. He hung in there, did, did his work, stayed some summers now uh, to, to get stronger. And for him now, uh, he's probably, you know, he could have been, you know, he was probably our top player before he got hurt last year. And uh, it, it's just, it's just, Staying with that, and I and I foresee him if he gets stronger and concentrates on the small parts of his game, the scoring is going to take off, and it's not going to be a twenty goal scorer. You're looking at thirty, thirty plus. Mm. You know, who knows? Maybe, and I don't want to put pressure on him, but he has the ability to score thirty, forty goals in this league, and and I think that's why he gets rewarded with this contract because he hung in there, went through the process, and has turned into one hell of a player for us. Well, that's a great message. That's a great message for all the guys, and hopefully that'll uh, they'll rally around that. And you're right. I mean, hopefully years to come, this contract becomes a bargain for this organization. Absolutely. With, yeah. 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 So I'm I'm thrilled for him because he 
he's just such a quiet kid, and you know, and I and I'm honest, and it, 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 I was hard on him, and it, there were some there were some long days for him with me, but uh, uh, but he understood why he he understood why because we were trying to make him a better player and a better person. Well, it's tough when you're that skilled. I don't know whether it's a. I mean, e- either you have a toughness DNA or you've got to develop it somehow. I've got an old quote that I say on this show: "You can't teach ambition." Like it's either it's either in you or it's not, and it's your job as a coach to see if you can tap into it, and yeah. and so and trying to tap into it and get there, you had to believe that he had it, or you wouldn't have spent the time trying to get after it. No, no, and and, and, and as an organization, we believe that, and I and I say it again with Yarmo. He, I believe what he says about these players. He he gives me a a full rundown of what he thinks they're going to be. And uh, I believe that, but again, I have to see it. And the the pro- the, the conflict that Yarmo and I have sometimes is general managers kind of want it quicker, where coaches <laughs> really don't have a timetable. We 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 can't have a timetable. I can't give it to you, Yarmo, in three months. I I got to wait and see what happens the first two months. Maybe this takes six months. Maybe it takes two years. I don't have a timetable. It's what we it's what we go through each and every day and see how they progress. We're going through it with Penstone right now. Mm-hmm. It's another guy that uh, Yarrow has tremendous hopes for, and I do too because of the information I get from our people. But I haven't seen it yet, and this is yeah. why he kind of he, with Borky. Borky was on the fourth line out of the lineup, and and that's kind of where Bremer is right now. I'm hoping he takes a step this year, and we'll see where we go with it. Yeah, I think even his fans, you know, were asking who is he and what can he do. And if you're telling us yeah. you're still trying to find those things, then certainly, if you don't have the answers, then definitely we don't either. Um, this, it, you know, and I hope that, and then by the way, fit, and I only got a few minutes and I want to get to the dog stuff, but finding fit, you said Gregorenko and, and, and then you got Koivu as a top defensive center and you guy like Boone who know, you know, is going to be four checking like crazy. Um, your, your lines fit too, has got to be a, a real, uh, juggling act because you got, even if you know what you have in the player, you got to know whether he fits on that line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we're. What, we, what we're doing today is we had our, we're going through a, a whole night game like we play a regular season game. We had a morning skate, let them go home. We're coming back to the building tonight and playing a night game, a three-period night game, uh, just to get them back into that type of, uh, of what we do on game days. And uh, this will really be the first scrimmage. Uh, it's the third day. It's our first scrimmage as far as the camp. And this is when I'm going to have to start watching pretty closely because we don't have a lot of time as far as what these guys are, like I say, Greg Arenko, I look at him, man. I, I, I just, I look at his skill, his size, his passing, his shot. But then I say, why the hell hasn't he been in this league and, and, and been that player that you think he could be? And this is what I have to find out. And, uh, uh, cause some guys look like a million bucks when they're practicing, but when it comes to playing against another team in a different color uniform, you can't find them. And yeah. uh, so we're going to have to make these decisions as we as we keep on pushing along here. All right, it's Hockey and Hounds. I've got our first Hockey and Hounds adoptable, uh, and we'll talk about a lot of projects along the way, but this one's a little more time-sensitive, and I wanted to get him out there. Um, this dog's name is Hank, and Hank is a three-year-old black lab mix. He's very sweet. Uh, I mean, incredibly sweet. He must be really right now, though, we're looking at the only dog in the home because he's got some as you, food insecurities as a puppy, and that it became a little bit of an issue. But he's very happy. He's very affectionate. He loves to play with other dogs. 
He just guards his food and toys, gets that resource guarding going because he got it when he was young. So we'll need an experienced dog person here to, to try to be patient with him and handle things. Um, this was a dog that was abandoned at a barn as a puppy, um, covered in you-know-what, and he's healthy now. And his current caregiver inherited Hank and has three other dogs and is trying to juggle this in a very small situation with the food and the toys, and we don't think it'd be good for him and the entire family. So we, we credit the family for taking over his care, but with work hours and all that, it's very difficult and so, he, like I said, Hank gets along with other dogs until he feels there's something to resource guard. So we want to take that out of the equation right now. And it's best if he's the only dog and he has, like, some supervised intros and playtime and get him going in a good direction. And that's it. He'll be great. He wants to be by his human all the time. Um, and so if people contact me here, um, certainly you can get me um, – through email, through the station site, and contact me, uh, 821-9710 is our regular number, 614-821-9710. If you think you might have an interest in Hank, um, I will get to you, and I will work with you, and we'll find out because um, I know that, that your wife already knows about Hank, and we're all rooting for him, and we'd like him to have a fenced-in yard because he likes to run, but it just takes time and a routine. And, and that's where you bring the love out in a dog and give him a chance. So Hank is our, is our first Hockey and Hounds uh, highlighted dog. Our celebrity Hank is, is ready to go, and he's a black lab. A lot of people look like black labs, and they, and they like to find him. Well, here's a three-year-old who's ready to be your guy. So let me know, and, and we'll, we'll get Hank into, a, into his forever home. I always I, – I look – I look forward to this part of the show. I look forward to it, but it all, it's also so emotional hearing, yeah. you know, sometimes you're a little bit more graphic as far as what's going on with the dog. But I always look forward to the names of the dogs. And, yeah, uh, and, uh, yeah. so, Hank, it, I'm, I'm anxious to see how it goes and how you work yeah. your magic again, Anthony. I'm glad I'm back with you. Absolutely. Hammer and Hank, we got to get him, get him a place. And I'll have great stuff next week because we're going to unveil through where I'm from, the apparel company that jumped on with us and donated all the money. You and I will have a ceremonial promo check to give you. Um, we'll, we'll find some time at the arena to get you that and take a quick picture. We got a big donation from all the people that supported. We'll have new Hockey and Hounds gear ready to go by next Wednesday for right before the start of the season. And then I can't wait to tell you next week about a really exciting donation that your guy Elvis, who contacted yeah. me and wanted to help dogs in Central Ohio and his donation and how people can, can win some of the things that he's going to donate and we can raise money to help a rescue. We've already identified the rescue. Elvis is on board. So your team, it's, it's filtering right through your team, Tort, so we appreciate it. Yeah, and that Elvis, he's a giver. I'll tell you, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a nut, but he's a giver. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's got a great heart to him, so I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Great stuff. Have a good scrimmage tonight, man. Get after them. And yep. you got about eight days, man, to get this thing going. And I know you'll, 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 be, you'll have the fire lit under them. So we appreciate you and have a great rest of the week and evening. Absolutely great to talk with you guys again. Look forward to you next week. Yeah. That's Torts, Hockey and Hounds, every Wednesday at 2.30. Brought to you by Telhire Credit Union. Telhire Credit Union has been on board since the beginning with Hockey and Hounds. They put people before profits. They've been doing that since 1934. So if you need help in that area, learn more at tellhio.org. They have really stepped up. When we wanted a sponsor, 
and they they make a generous donation every time Torts calls in. He didn't get paid. Yeah, charity great, gets man. paid. It's That's great the key. stuff. Great stuff you got going on, and where I'm from, them hopping on board. It's been tremendous. And then the Elvis Nugget that you threw out there is awesome. Yeah, too. kind of take you behind the curtain, let you know what type of dude he is behind the mask when he's not blocking pucks. So really good stuff, man. Can't wait to get this stuff rolling, and it's exciting to hear that he's got his squad on a mm-hmm. kind of a game schedule tonight, and they're getting it rolling, man. So fun stuff coming at us. Yep. All right, Madden. Great to have you on this side of the glass, man, for hockey and hounds. I know. I believe me. I know a carpet's probably the one, the only thing he probably misses from our show is, is hockey and hounds, but he was a big part of it from the beginning and we appreciate, um, his support as well. So here we go. Uh, let's get that puck dropped next week and hopefully get off to a good start. I think they got four, first four on the road and then I think they're five of their last six are on the road. So they're okay. going to have to make their hay in the middle to, to make sure the, uh, and the begin get off to a good start. We'll come back with, an NFL two-minute drill after this. Rothman and Ice on the fan. This is Ohio State basketball coach Chris Holtman on your home for Buckeye basketball, the fan. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. All right, we fly through the drill. Jets interviewed Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy for their head coaching job. Is he finally going to get one here? I think it's his time. <laughs> I can't imagine if we go through this round and he doesn't get one. Oh, man. I mean, I knew they were interested, but the interview is now officially done. So now they're going to okay. go for a lot of, a lot of dudes. I mean, they're going to, they're going to interview a lot of guys, but the enemy's been, you know, Reed's right hand man since being promoted OC from that running backs coach a couple years ago. He's always been a hot name. When's he going to get his chance, Matty? It seems like it may be now. Like, it's finally that time. I think some people were surprised that maybe throughout the last se- uh, cycle, going back to the last offseason, that he didn't attach himself to a squad, or maybe it's a squad really wanted him. But it feels like uh, there's a little bit of a stronger push this season uh, for Eric Bieniemy to latch on to a gig. And look, it's kind of looking like, what gig do you really want? Because I think there's some good situations out there. Like, the Jets, to me, isn't very appealing right now, but... <laughs> Maybe you go out and get a Justin Fields, and maybe that changes the dynamic in the look. And I was looking at some stuff earlier. They got a lot of cap space out there in New York. But I keep coming back to if I was one of these guys and if I could pick, I think Jags. I'm officially riding with the Chargers. I think oh, I'm okay. officially right. – who are you riding with? The Jags? Well, I'm saying the Jags just have a nowhere to go but up feel to me with all the money and all the picks and getting the number one quarterback. Yeah. I don't think a, a new head coach would get saddled with the pressure instantly. You know, we already know what Herbert can do, and I agree with you. It's a very good situation to jump into. But, yeah, no, it's it, they're both very good. They're mm-hmm. both really good. And, and maybe it's just a fit for a different kind of coach. But And I guess Biennemi also got interviewed by the Jags. So that's why okay. I was asking Schefter about Urban. You know, is he, quote, the target? Yeah. He may be a target, right. and he may have some interest to listen, because why wouldn't you? Of course you'd listen. But you start feeling, you know, I had a buddy ask me, I'm like, man, it just seems so 50-50 here on whether he would actually do it and make the jump. I'm sure he's loves to get interviewed at the highest level, and that's a cool thing to have, but there are a lot of very good candidates out there. Urban's not the only one. Yeah. So right, absolutely strong candidates, and I saw this floating around today that you know offensive coordinator for the Panthers, Joe Brady, uh, looked like he interviewed uh, for the Falcons job down there in Hotland. I mean, my goodness, how about his 
trajectory of his coaching career so fast. You go down there to LSU and you're involved with that national championship for them in a historical season. Matt Rule wants to bring you in. You're an offensive coordinator at the age of 30 and you're getting interviewed for head coaching jobs at the age of 31. So good for Joe Brady, man. A lot of this stuff is happening really fast for him. Uh, Michael Thomas expected to practice today for the Saints, so that's good. Good progress there since getting placed on IR in Week 14. Been limited, so hopefully he won't have a setback and he'll play against the Bears. Mike Evans will play. There's some optimism he should play. I should say okay. that. I know he'll play. Optimism, but they didn't. Uh, he was he was there for the workout, the walkthrough today, but he didn't do enough to earn a limited tag. So okay, they're not risking anything, and that's smart. Yeah, I think uh, Michael Thomas is huge. Much more, I think it's much bigger for the Saints to have them more so than Tampa with Godwin and uh, Antonio Brown and Gronk on deck. All right, that's the drill. What will a Thursday bring? We'll find uh. out. Something new for sure. And if you're interested in Hank the Black Lab, the three-year-old that I mentioned on Hockey and Hounds, get a hold of me. Uh, either at Anthony Rothman on Twitter or through the station website or just call the hotline. Just Get in touch, and you know we will come to you. Torts and I will come to you. We'll make sure that it'll happen. Straight to your house. Exactly. We'll show up unannounced, too. Here you go. Here's your dog. All right, Maddie. Great job, man. Have a good uh, rest of the day, guys. Keep it locked here. Rothman and Ice on the fan.